This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Today, we welcome back Mohawk Valley folk singers and songwriters Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle. Cosby and Tom are known for developing history-themed shows for libraries, historical societies, and other venues. They've done concerts with music from the Erie Canal days, also a show about the American Revolution. Currently, they're performing a new show with Lumberjack songs. Let's listen to one of the songs. This one is called The Lumberjack's Alphabet, performed by Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle. This song is a fun and creative recounting of logging life. It is called The Lumberjack's Alphabet, and it portrays the joys of being a true lumberjack. So merry, so merry, so merry were we. Happy as we 
The Lumberjacks Alphabet, performed by Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle. Cosby and Tom, what was the importance of the lumber industry in upstate New York in the 1800s? The lumbering industry in upstate New York in the 1800s was phenomenally successful. It was the synergy of a group of characteristics that made the Adirondack region the largest producer of lumber in all of the northeastern United States. And the characteristics that contributed to this success included a huge demand for paper and lumber by the society of the day, few regulations and more freedom for harvesting of trees in the Adirondacks, and workers being attracted to the lifestyle of the lumberjack which was viewed as honorable and productive and as having a certain mystique around laboring in the woods. The 1800s lumber industry also paved the way to advanced logging techniques, such as the use of tractors and skidders to replace horses. Additionally, the geography of the Adirondacks, with its primordial forests, multitudes of waterways, and proximity to the Hudson River, added to this magic mixture. Tom, let me ask you how the loggers' songs fit into their lives the lives of the lumberjacks. What is what is the meaning of the songs? The most surprising thing about the Adirondack logging songs is that they were not work songs. They were most often sung for amusement during rest hours, usually in a common room or a bunkhouse of the logging camp. This was an area for socializing, playing cards and games and singing. Songs were enjoyed because of their topic, which included comedy, nostalgia, bodiness, and patriotism. They were also liked because of the performance and personality of the singer, and the better the singer, the more popular he'd be. Loggers would also sing as a group. Singers would write the songs, sometimes with the help of the loggers, and songs would also be passed down from person to person, as well as learned from song sheets and found in newspapers. The musical styles of the songs from the cultural influences of the British, Scot-Irish, French-Canadians, Russians, and Polish. Sometimes the songs were drawn from the musical hall style, and even from Native American songs. The use of musical instruments was minimal. The most popular instruments were the violin, jaw harp, banjo, and occasionally bagpipes. Otherwise, loggers would clap, snap, stomp, etc. to keep rhythm, and add to the festivity of the evening. In just a moment, we'll hear another Lumberjack song by Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle. But first, a word about the Historian's Podcast. This is Bob Cudmore reminding you that we depend on donations to keep the podcast going. We've been going for close to five years, or we're working on our fifth year. And we have a GoFundMe campaign again this year with a goal of $4,000. You can find a link to the campaign on our homepage, which is bobcudmore.com. They'll explain it all to you. And thank you very much for your contributions. This is the Historian's Podcast, and we're talking with and listening to Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle with Lumberjack songs from the Adirondacks. This song is called Wild Mustard River. This song is called The Wild Mustard River. It's about a logging accident and its sorrowful ending. Come all of you boys of the river, pay attention to me for a while. I will sing you a song of the sad fate that befell my dear friend Johnny Style. We were camped on the Wild Mustard River, it's down by the old Henry Dam. 
as we rolled from our blankets one morning on the rocks that we spied a log jam. For the waters came rushing and roaring right down on the end of the jam. For you know how the water's wild flowing when a flood comes from reservoir dam. Oh, we worked for an hour and a quarter. We worked till it seemed most despair. And after the waters flowed through her, like lightning she pulled out of there. There was not a man on the logs better than my friend, it's my chum Johnny Style. For he rode her in more times than many but always was careless and wild. This day luck had proved hard against him. His foot, it got caught in the jam. And you know how the water's wild flowing. They roll in, but they never roll out. Oh, we worked for an hour and a quarter. We worked till the sweat did pour down. And then when we saw his poor body, we were the saddest log workers in town. We buried him neath the green willows, where the larks and the nightingales sing. His grave, it was covered with flowers, the flowers that bloom in the spring. Way down on the wild mustard river, poor Johnny lies under the sod. For on earth we found rest for his body, and hope that his soul is with God. Come all of you boys of the river, pay attention to me for a while. I'll sing you a song of the sad fate that befell my dear friend Johnny Starr. Wow, that really was a sad song, the Wild Mustard River. Let's uh, change gears a bit. Uh, Tom Stoddle and Cosby Gibson are with us. Tom, why was it prohibited for loggers to talk at the dinner table? Meals in the lumber camps were forbidden to be social. This is because talking would slow down the eating process. It was important to eat as quickly as possible in order to get to work, and so the cooks could start preparing the next meals for the group, which could number as many as 80 people. Communication was done by pointing, and the cooks themselves would refill the lumberjack's plates to save time. Table etiquette included a seating hierarchy assigned by the cook. It was taken so seriously that any discrepancy could lead to a fistfight. In our live performances of this program, Tom and I also talk about the logger's lifestyle in the lumber camp and even tell you about a breakfast recipe that the cooks would make called Hop Toad. Thank you, Cosby and Tom. Let's have Cosby Gibson introduce uh, their final song from their lumberjack shows, Here's Cosby. This song is called Jack Haggerty. It's about a logger who's warning others of danger, the danger of romance. Here we go. Last coils of 
pain Well the shark dogs are cute They cause me such grief But my heart is asunder I can't find relief I worked on the river And learned quite a state Being steadfast and steady I'd prove in the race I the pole bar was happy By the bright whirling stream And my thoughts were with Hannah She haunted my dreams Now I dressed up my Hannah In the finest of lace And the finest of silk Herself to embrace Now I gave her my money For me to keep safe I denied her of nothing I have on this earth One day on the river Now I know what I received Promise of marriage herself would relieve She'd been wed to a young man Not a great while of late And the next time I'd see her She'd not be a maid Now it's good by Flat River And the girl I love best I'll shoulder my pity I will go west I'll go to Muskegon Some comfort to find And leave my true love on Flat Chestnut curls, just think of Jack Haggerty and the Black River Cosby Gibson and Tom Staudel with music from their Lumberjack shows. Tell me, uh, Cosby and Tom, where can listeners find information about your show schedule? There is a show calendar on our website, which you can visit at CosbyGibsonandTomStaudel.com. We also post information on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and in our newsletters to which you can subscribe through our website. Thank you so much, Mr. Cudmore, for having us as your guests. We are glad to create and bring this Lumber Songs program and look forward to seeing everyone at the full-length performances. Have a nice day. Bye, everybody. See you at the shows. Thanks, Mr. Cudmore. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Cosby and Tom. And if uh, I were you, I'd go see their show. They, I've seen them perform a number of times. They do a, a great job, and they put a lot of uh, work into the history aspect of whatever they're uh, doing, uh, Cosby Gibson and Tom Stoddle do. And uh, they're always uh, performing at uh, one place or another, either a library or historical society, or from time to time they do a coffee shop or a tavern or two. And listening to them talk about the lumberjacks, I had kind of a light bulb go off in my head. You know, I've written something about lumberjacks, which is kind of odd because I mainly write about my hometown of Amsterdam, New York, uh, which was a, an industrial city in the Mohawk Valley. But the, the reason lumberjacks came to my mind, I had done a column, in fact, I've done it several times over the years, adding uh, new information about what they called the sportsman's shows, which they used to do in Amsterdam. 
March and April, and, and by the way, this uh, column first appeared in the Daily Gazette newspaper, uh, the paper I write for in Schenectady. March and April were the months for the annual sportsman shows put on by the Amsterdam Fish and Game League from the 1930s into the 1950s. The shows were held in the gymnasium and auditorium of the former Theodore Roosevelt Jr. High on Guy Park Avenue during the school's Easter vacation. That junior high school was kind of uh, more than a school. I mean, it's been uh, torn down by now. I mean, many years ago, it's no longer, you know, the building's no longer there. But uh, back in the day, in the 30s, 40s, and, and 50s, if you had a big event you wanted to have in Amsterdam and you could arrange it with the junior high, that was the place to go. It was in a central downtown location. They had some parking, but I guess my recollection is we had more in the way of uh, uh, city buses in those days. And in Amsterdam, a lot of people just walked to things. So the junior high uh, was uh, probably even more so than the senior high, had big facilities uh, where you could put on an event like this sportsman show. City resident Mario Cheka told me it was a big thing. And here come the lumberjacks. They chopped wood, sawed wood, and rolled logs on the water. The Sportsman League in uh, Amsterdam formed in 1931, and the annual shows began just two years later, first at the Southside Armory, then the Junior High. Some years were missed during and after World War II, but the event resumed with an entire week of activities in the late 1940s, attracting tens of thousands of visitors. Yes, I said tens of thousands. That's almost hard to uh, uh, fathom in a junior high school, but that's what went on. Proceeds went for fish stocking and other conservation work. The men of the Sportsman's League became famous for making hearty pancake suppers uh, served in the junior high cafeteria. And at the show... There would be canoe tipping, axe wielding, fly casting, and sharpshooting competitions and demonstrations, along with professional exhibits. In 1937, the show featured the world's biggest snowshoe uh, sent in by a manufacturer in Maine. There were entertainers brought in. One local native recalled a performance by a young Minnie Pearl, who went on to fame, of course, at the or had fame at the time in the Grand Old Opry. In 1938, league members put on a skit called Trapper's Justice, in which local marksman W.H. Jacoby hit the bullseye on a card held by Robert Knapp while Art Grass played the harmonica. These are all genuine local names, of course. Lehman and Arnold Watson of Hope Falls won the men's log sawing contest that year, while Mildred Moore and Sarah Colson won the women's competition. In 1946, the show featured state lumberjack championship events. There was no show in 1947, but in 1948, the event ran for eight days, featuring live bears and trick log rollers from Michigan. And then an estimated 25,000 people attended the show in 1948. Back in the 40s, there frequently 
what was a media component uh, to the sportsman shows in the form of personalities from WGY radio, the big uh, signal out of Schenectady. And in 1948, there was a live radio broadcast by Gloversville station WENT. My first inkling of the sportsman shows uh, came when Charles Wharton was still alive, a local banker who died in 2004 at the age of 97. I, honestly, now that I think about it, I believe I was talking with his uh, daughter after his death, and she uh, provided me with a lot of information uh, that her father had kept. Charles Wharton was founding treasurer of the Fish and Game League and a prime mover in organizing the annual shows. Wharton said that people came from all over the state on buses and up from New York City to, as he put it, see how we did things. Wharton said real pine logs out of the woods were used for the log rolling competition. So many pine boughs decorated the junior high, he said, that the place smelled like the North Woods. Even Adirondack hermit Noel Rondo uh, put on a demonstration there. That uh, part of the story was uh, given me or recollected for me by uh, Peter Betts, a longtime Fulton County historian. Uh, Noel Rondo would set up a camp inside the school. Rondo came out of his hermitage in the Cold River area of the Western High Peaks sometimes with help from a state helicopter, to appear at many New York sportsman shows in the 1940s and 1950s. Now, the Amsterdam shows ended sometime in the 1950s after professional entertainment companies that uh, competed with the volunteer event asked the state education department to rule if it was proper to have these shows held in a public school. Amsterdam historian Hugh Donlan said the answer from the state was an official frown. In other words, the state didn't think that was good, that they were having these uh, big uh, shows which were competing with uh, commercial enterprises. And uh, Donlan wrote, this brought an end to one of the most ambitious and successful community undertakings ever recorded in the Mohawk Valley. I have another story. We started out talking about lumberjacks, lumberjack songs with uh, Cosby and Tom, and, and then uh, the Sportsman Show, which had lumberjacks attend. In fact, there were even state lumberjack events. But I was making the case that the uh, junior high school in Amsterdam was a great place to have an event. And another event was held there that I wrote about rather recently uh, for the uh, Daily Gazette newspaper, and that was a concert by a famed Polish pianist, Ignace Paderewski, the world-famous pianist and composer who served as the first prime minister of Poland in 1919, performed at Amsterdam's former junior high school on the Guy Park Avenue in March of 1933. According to historian Hugh Donlan, Paderewski was invited to Amsterdam by Reverend Anton Gorski, the pastor of St. Stanislaus Church, one of the city's predominantly Polish-American parishes. Paderewski and Gorski were distant relatives by marriage, according to Donlan. The historian said, quote, 
Paderewski came more to show his appreciation of the intense loyalty of Amsterdam Poles to their native land than for any other uh, purpose. I know that uh, Father Gorski was a native of Poland. He was uh, the founding pastor of uh, St. Stanislaus Church and and served for uh, a very long time. Historian Jackie Murphy, for many years the Montgomery County historian, uh, wrote in an article for Historic Amsterdam League that this concert by Paderewski was a benefit for the Sisters of the Resurrection, an order of uh, Catholic nuns. The sisters had opened a nursery on Park Street for the children of women working in the city's mills in 1926. The nursery closed the next year, and the sisters opened a children's home or orphanage on Brookside Avenue. Murphy wrote, The ongoing increase in the need for their services soon overtaxed the Brookside Avenue facility, and in 1932, the home relocated to the former Gardner Blood Home at 118 Market Street on the southwest corner of Market and Prospect. Paderewski's benefit performance raised nearly $2,000 and enabled the sisters to pay off their bank debt. Hugh Donlan recalled attending the 1933 concert in a column that he wrote after Paderewski's death on June 29, 1941. Donlan said, those of us who were fortunate enough to get into the auditorium, and it was crowded, are now even more privileged to claim with pride, I heard him. Among the first to greet the pianist was Division Street physician Dr. Julius Schiller, who had heard Paderewski when he played for the first time in America with the Chicago Symphony in 1891. A long time ago, even a long time before 1933, I mean, Paderewski had played the major orchestras in America for decades, but this was a kind of an unusual event that he came to a small industrial city like Amsterdam. Donlin wrote that Paderewski played that night in Amsterdam as though he was among a small group of personal friends. The program began with a Bach fugue, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, and a sonata by Schumann. Donlin, who had spent many years as a church organist himself, uh, wrote, before the evening was over, he had wandered far from that musical fair. In response to wild enthusiasm, he went from one Chopin composition to another and finished with the brilliant military polonaise that left his spellbound audience wishing the joys of the evening might never end. Donlin continued, he was an old man then, Paderewski was. The passing years with the heartaches were taking their toll. There were times that he played as one very, very tired. But then he would rouse himself and show flashes of his old-time technical mastery and poetic fare, his weariness concealed beneath flawless stage posture. Those who were there need no jogging of the memory. Those who were not there, well, they missed Amsterdam at its musical best, uh, Paderewski's concert uh, back in 1933. Well, I thank you for listening to the Historian's Podcast. And again, shout out to Tom Stoddle and uh, Cosby Gibson, 
and they're performing their Lumberjack concerts around the area. I'm Bob Cudmore.